G'day everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast of course. A good win finally for the Crows after a series of losses and uh, trying conditions so uh, all things considered not a bad weekend. Let's get right into it. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a very cold and wintry Sunday night uh, with the weekend wrap. Apologies to all the monarchists for interrupting your uh, your uh, birthday celebrations with the Queen or the Jubilee celebrations or whatever the hell it is. Um, I enjoyed the uh, the Queen set, and then after that, I just turned it off. Uh, how about you, Pete? I am an absolute dyed-in-the-wool monarchist, as you, you? probably expect, theme, and so, yeah, yeah like, all good stuff. Wow. <laughs> it's a wonder we get along sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> How do we? How do we get along? I just don't know. It's because we respect, it's because we respect good argument and good dialogue. You know, that's very true. One of my best mates is uh, of similar political leanings and all the rest. I don't think he's a monarchist, but... Uh, he, uh, we we have a similar relationship where we just sometimes just agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we've got to do. That's right. Hey, uh, thanks to everyone who's joined us tonight on Discord in the live chat. Don't forget, if you want to have your say at all during the live show, just put your virtual hand up and we'll be happy to have you along. Peter, we get some interaction sometimes. Uh, also, thanks to everyone who's joined us on YouTube. We've got some nice numbers growing there. Um, so don't forget, if you're enjoying the show, hit the like and subscribe. It helps with the algorithm, etc., etc. Peter, it would be remiss of me not to say it's very nice to have you on the weekend wrap. I can't remember the last time you were on the weekend wrap. Thanks, mate. I'm quite excited to be here and um, appreciate the invite. And, um, yeah, really, really um, happy to have sit and have a chat with you about what happened across the weekend. Yes, and uh, what we usually do is have a, a very brief overview, which often, you know, it's just uh, basically the tail of the whole thing and we don't need to go on anymore, but we end up going on for another two and a half hours. <laughs> but uh, what, what did you think of the game on the weekend, mate? Uh, look, I went along. Um, I, um, I was at the game, so I um, was able to have a good look and um, I thought, uh, look, to be honest, I thought West Coast were pretty poor in the first half yep. um, and um, played some good football in the second half. But it really surprised me because I think, you know, when you look down their playing list, they've still got some quite good footballers there. So yeah. I think that what we have to accept is that when West Coast do things, they do them well. And there's never usually in-betweens with West Coast. They either push in from premiership or they tank as well as anybody ever does. And yes. so, um, uh, but uh, look, with all that said, um, really, really positive first half, uh, first half from the Crows. I thought that they were very, very good. I thought Darcy was excellent. Just some of his um, attack on the ball and just and actually showed a bit of pace. And uh, you know, um, I think sometimes we think of Darcy as a bit of a mark kick player, but I really yeah. felt like he had some good broken play 
um, and um, and did some really really good things and um, really really in, in terms of the young kids, Fien, I, I had a really I was sitting on um, Jake Saligo's wing, yeah, and so I had a really close look at Jake and just love what he brings, and I think that you know he's a He's about a twenty to thirty game wingman before he, you know, has to move into that midfield. Yeah, um, looks to me to be every bit a, a quality midfielder. So I'm really, really excited about Jake. I think he's a an, an excellent footballer. So yeah, yeah. yeah so some, some some a lot to like in that first half. Keep your powder dry, mate, because we'll go through in a little bit more depth a bit later. Um, but uh, I'm a bit with you. I, when you get conditions like that, a win's a win. Uh, in in my yeah, opinion, absolutely. Um, you're not going to get standout performances, really. Uh, in general, I thought Simpson uh, tried to clog it up after halftime. They changed their approach a bit, and uh, we didn't really deal with it terribly well. Um, I don't think Nick's did a lot to try and change our structure. I just think he wanted us to work through it, and you know we found it difficult. They ended up outscoring us in the second half, but the damage was done, and you, you know from playing, and people listening would know from playing that. In weather like that, you get a decent lead. You, it's hard not to just sit on it, um, and I think that's what we did to a certain degree. I think um, you know the sting was really out of it at half time, and whilst we only ended up winning by five goals, I, I felt it was you know a, a good result given that we're on a five-game losing streak, and um, it represented somewhat of a danger game for us, uh, particularly when the weather presented the way it did. Absolutely agree, and plenty of positives there, Fane. And you and I both know that, um, particularly that level of football, that you're just not going to get momentum your way the whole time. No. And so, and, and I just don't think that we're um, at that level yet where we can put a side away by you know 100 points, like you know some of the top sides have been doing to West Coast. And so, yeah. I think to absolutely tear them apart for a half, um, you know, really, really some really good signs. Yep, agreed, mate. All right, before we get too carried away, um, let's get into Macca's 15 minutes of fame. And obviously, shout out to Macca and Nikki, who are having the week off this week. Um, but uh, in the meantime, let's look at some weekend results, shall we? And um, yeah, uh, let's have a look here. So the Bulldogs let one get away, I felt, on Friday night. They let the Cats get out to a lead and whilst they had the better of the game for the most part after that they just uh, far too far behind to to get back into it um entertaining game though uh, the cats 12 11 83 to the bulldogs 10 10 70 so 13 points to the cats there in the end um the suns doing what they needed to do they needed to back up that win last week with a with a good win against north and they did exactly that 15 19 109 to 7547 uh, 62 point winners there and just on a nice little vein of form at the moment you reckon Jews probably uh, sits himself up a contract for another 12 months there Pete I think he probably has they probably had some they've had some some decent results and look they're competitive for the eight aren't they they're sort of there and thereabouts yep. um, I think they're probably a game or two out so um, yep. yeah, they've had some decent results in the last few weeks so yeah absolutely I mean I don't think that when you've got a young group up there like he has, there's really much to be gained by you know changing your coach. I think you know, just let him go and yeah. try and build a culture up there. And yeah, yeah, I think um, they're just starting to build a bit of a brand of football now. The Suns, yeah, a reasonably settled lineup. Um, 
not too many injuries. Uh, they're all playing good football. They seem to be singing from the same hymn book, so uh, not bad from the Suns. I wouldn't mind mind seeing them sneak into the eight. Um, it's about to be about time if they did. You couldn't deny them, could you? Really, given no. how long they've been in the competition, you'd, you know, you'd feel look, they, you know, deserve, deserve to have at least one yeah. final game. Yeah, yeah, before they wind up. <laughs> um, Speaking of not being denied, uh, if ever there was a team that just kept hanging around and hanging around at Sydney, 10-13-73, 12-point winners over Melbourne, 9-7-61. That's two in a row losses to Melbourne. And uh, I know Sydney have had a leg up, and I know they have their academy and all the rest of it. But uh, if ever you wanted a model of a team that just is always competitive, it's the Swans, isn't it? Oh, look. Uh, Fien, as I said before the start of the show, I've uh, I've backed in a six-game multi, so I'm kind of really happy with every result. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what I would say though is that um, did you watch? Do you see the game? I actually didn't see this one, unfortunately. So um, Sydney got their last two goals from free kicks. I think that the the second free kick, I think I'm, I'm comfortable with. The one that Errol Goulden got to put them in front was one of the worst free kicks I've ever seen paid. Oh, really? And, um, <laughs> you know, I can, I mean, I, you know, you, we've had these discussions, Fane, and we can talk about, yeah. you know, how the umpires really, really impose themselves on the game. But um, that was a, an absolute dead set stinker as much as I was sort of happy for Sydney to, um, to get to the get go-ahead <laughs> goal. That was an absolute rotter. Yeah, uh, Melbourne just uh, struggling a little bit with a couple of outs. Um, so, uh, but uh, probably gives them the reality check that they need. It's not hurting them too much. They should stick either first or second by the end of the uh, the buy uh, series over the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, good performance by Sydney, and they just keep oh, sniffing around, don't they? And Melbourne will be uh, there when they um, at the pointy end. No question. Yeah. Uh, the Pies getting up by four points over Hawthorne um, at the death. Not a bad shot for goal there at the death to uh, get them over the line. 10-12-72 uh, to 10-8-68. They're also just sort of in a little bit of a vein of form. And Hawthorne's early form just seems to have dropped off a touch under Mitchell. I thought they played a really good game of football, Hawthorne. They were they were right in that game. And, and um, it was only the fact that uh, the Pies kicked the last, I think, two or three maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought I thought Hawthorne played really, really well. Um, so yeah, some really, really promising performances um, yep. from them. And that look, John Yukon was just unbelievable in the last last sort of the second half. He was incredible. That's gotta the got to be a big got to be a big shout for the rising star Yukon. That's uh, that's what you want out of your mid mid season draft pick, isn't it? <laughs> Bloody hell! I mean, you know, obviously we'll we'll be pushing with Shelley, but I mean, anyone that saw Newcomb's second half today, you'd have to say, "Cheese!" Yeah, you know, he'd be very stiff not to win it. Yeah. Uh, whoops, I went too early on that one. And tonight, um, and I watched most of this game. I missed the last probably ten minutes. Uh, but Fremantle, a very very good win. Did what they had to do. Win hard games at home. Uh, if Fremantle are going to be up and about in September, they need to get these home games under the belt and they did uh, the Lions in by 14 points 59.99 to 13.785 very entertaining game I felt like Fremantle held Brisbane at bay and then were able to open the game up and it was uh, it was a high quality game I thought 
Dean, this is one of the highest quality games of football I've seen in mm. some time. I'm happy to put it out there. I watched it from go to woe, and I was absolutely engrossed in this game of football. Yeah. Some of the, some of the not, not just the skills, but some of the, I think just the intensity that was on display from both teams um, was, you know, some of the acts of desperation and yeah. some of the, you know, some of the play was just phenomenal. And I just thought that that game was played, you know, at probably the highest level I've seen a game of football in a long time. I, I was thoroughly entertained. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a very good game. Uh, two very good teams, uh, both with one or two out, so not a not a hundred percent full strength both sides. Um, Frio got five to come back in, and um, uh, Brisbane losing a couple during the game for a period. What was the end result with Zorko? I didn't see him come back on. That looked like a pretty bad hand injury there. Yeah, it looked like a cut, like almost like a big, really bad cut to the hand. Yeah, um, I yeah. think I, I think I saw some blood. Maybe it was a sprig or something like that. But it looked yeah. like it had been a really. It looked to me like a really serious, you know, cut or something like that to the hand. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought it might have been a webbing split or something like that. He didn't look uh, too something comfortable. Like that, yeah. yeah. So that leaves us with a ladder that. Um, let me just zoom this in for people. Uh, and of course, over the buy three-week period it's a bit difficult but at the moment uh, we have Melbourne still on 40 points Brisbane missing their chance to go top on 36 along with Fremantle who've now moved into third spot clear of Geelong St Kilda Sydney and Carlton on 32 St Kilda and Carlton both with games in hand uh, Collingwood making up the eight with 28 points uh, the Bulldogs just out with 24 Richmond with a game in hand also on 24 along with Gold Coast uh, Port yet to play on 20, so they could move up. Um, they're playing Richmond. That'll be an interesting game, I think. Um, Hawthorne on 16 along with us. Um, the Giants and Essendon both yet to play on 12 and 8 respectively. And then North and West Coast uh, doing a very good job of trying to get the number one pick there on four points. So, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting uh ladder at the moment Pete because I, I thought a couple of weeks ago that the top four was almost set but we've got a couple of teams now mm. really starting to push claims you know St Kilda Sydney are hanging around Carlton are there Free have really kicked on and Geelong just keep winning games so like they, you've got to give credit to Geelong they, they just keep winning games it, it's it defies logic sometimes <laughs> it really does it annoys, the shit out of, it annoys the shit out of me how the fact that they they don't ever seem to have to rebuild. They just seem to mm. you know, always be... I mean, they are a phenomenal outfit and you've got to take your hats off. Yeah, you do. Um, you know, they they came straight <laughs> out of the blocks against the Bulldogs and uh, the Bulldogs did everything they could. A couple of really good games from Trelaw and Bailey Smith, uh, not enough to get the Bullies over the line. I, I think the Bulldogs, even though they're out of the eight at the moment, they're definitely a finals contender, I think, um, once they get back. But they're just a bit one-dimensional up forward, I think. Yeah, they are, and uh, I, I think it's it's actually a really interesting competition at the moment. We've got um, you know probably another you know three or four teams sitting outside of the eight that could conceivably you know make a run. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a quite an interesting competition at the moment. Well, it's interesting. They showed the the Lions run home uh, uh, during the Frio game, and uh, the Lions have just their run home is basically everyone that's currently in the eight. Uh, they they have got a, a tough run, um, 
So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can hang on uh, and hang on to a top two spot. Uh, they'll be in the box seat, I reckon. Anyway, let's get on to what we're all here for, which is, of course, the Adelaide game. And as I mentioned earlier, it was Adelaide 13 10 88. 31 point winners over West Coast 8 9 57. Um, what I tend to do, Pete, at the beginning is go right back to pre game and have a look at. Uh, selection because by and large selection could be a little bit uh, a little bit perplexing at times <laughs> and I so, was so bit... if you want to talk about selection uh, yeah. sorry you're happy for me to jump in yeah go for it I was super excited to see Paddy Parnell have his boo um, I watched Paddy live the week before uh, out of the parade and yep. um, was was really really impressed with the way that he played his football. So just seeing him live, and um, uh, I was really hoping that he wasn't too far off a debut. And then, of course, when Luke Brown had protocols through the week, um, was really really happy. Um, and, and I thought he quitted himself really well. And I think that you know I really do believe Fiend. He's a long term player for us. I think that agreed. In the, vein, in the vein of Jake Bowie uh, from Melbourne. And, you know, we, we talk about Paddy Parnell being a small player. You know he's taller and heavier than Jake Bowie yeah. at Melbourne. Um, so um, I, I just thought Paddy just looked like he belonged. He, you know, he was – I mean, he had a couple of turnovers, but that's because he was trying to hit his kicks and, um, you know, um, that's okay. That's his first game. But overall, I thought his pace is a very quick player. And his delivery out of defence, I just think he's going to be a real acquisition for us. Didn't look out of place at all, I didn't think, Pete, to be honest with you. Um, he um, had the pace of the game uh, very quickly, um, and I just felt like uh, he didn't look out of place. Uh, it used the ball relatively well. A couple of a couple of uh, times he might have turned the ball over, but by and large I, I felt he acquitted himself really well, and I think he will be a, a good asset for us. Um, and he's like when you see him up close, he's actually like he's got boyish looks, but he's actually got a bit of weight on him now um, across the the uh, the chest and the shoulder area. So I don't think there's any problem there. Um, I guess you know, uh, and I don't want to do this to death, but I'm interested in your perspective about Matt Crouch and the the continuing selection of Matt Crouch um, because, of course, it forces. Hately and Berry out of that rotation and we see from the, the CBAs again this week that those two lads didn't have huge numbers in, in terms of centre bounce attendances and I just I, I'm not sure what Adelaide um, Adelaide's long term view of Matt is, uh, I'd be interested to see what you think Well anybody that follows me on Twitter would know that I've, twi- I've tweeted quite strongly on this issue yeah. and I did the very, very week that Matt was was, was uh, recalled to the team, it was of great concern to me that we invested time into Jackson, particularly um, in the Carlton game where we sacrificed him to to Cripps to um, to follow him around and get himself slaughtered yeah. um, to at least you know feel what that's like and um, and then I, I just thought that that was a, that game against Carlton was a real springboard for Jackson. He said so um, himself. And, Sorry, he said so himself, Jack. He said that it was a, a real, I didn't, uh, I didn't, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know that, so oh, maybe I'm, I'm a better analyst than I thought. But um, <laughs> that was a, that was sorry, um, that, but that was a real big thing. I thought for him to do that, 
and I thought it was a I thought it was great investment from the club. So for me, that's development. That's that's saying yeah. I don't like we don't give a shit about the Carlton game. We've got an inside midfielder here, and we're going to put yeah. him on Crips, and we're going to say right, you know, you need to learn the game. And that was a real springboard for him. And he really good games after that. And yeah. when Matt was re- returned to the team, I, I tweeted that you know. It was a good, I mean, uh, you know, I won't quote it, but it was a great concern to me that Jackson had those few good games. And, mm. you know, you, I think, I mean, the guts of my tweet was that, you know, you, Matt's not being recalled to play across half back, is he? No, that's right. And so, you know, it seemed to me to be inevitable that what was going to happen is that Jackson would then get, after that really good sort of period of development, that he was yeah. going to get then pushed back out. Um, you know, to the wing or, or wherever it was, and, and Sandbury the same. And I mean, I was just, you know, uh, a lot of lot of lot of positive stuff that came out of the game. I think that this was, for me, this was the only negative that really came out of the game. Is when you looked at the CBAs, and then you see Jackson with one CBA, and Matt with nineteen. I just, you know, it just, and you're talking about playing, you know, one of the bottom sides, you yeah. know, and so. I, I, I do not see the you know the, the logic in having an experienced player like that dominant you know he, you know he's not going to lead us to our next flag training and so I you know I don't well, see the logic in him you know taking all those centre bounces against you know a team that we're always going to beat. I mean I would have put so, Saligo in there for a few CBAs to be honest. Mm. Um, so I'll take you back just a step. Uh, you mentioned that Hi. Mac. Mac, no, 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 that's all right. Matt Crouch, she said, is not going to uh, lead us to our next flag. Now, I would agree with you, um, but he's a 27-year-old midfielder um, coming back from a long period out of the game. It seems to me that the the only logical explanation for the Crows' um, selection strategy with Matt Crouch is that they actually do see him as a key um, part of... The, the future uh, despite the fact that um, you know they, they weren't uh, handing out big contracts to him last year he was on the trade table and no takers etc etc um, it it can only mean to me that at 27 they don't they haven't written Matt Crouch off um, and they think he's still part of it I can't well, see any I, other I, logic I mean, Pete I, I mean yeah I, I can't I can't see any logic I I just can't um, at, at 27. And I mean, look, the problem, you know, I mean, the, the problem for me is is that, I, I mean, um, look, hang on, sorry, I'm going to strip this right back. So, yeah. you know, my kid plays junior football, right? And so, or, and I'm, you know, that I'm, involved, I'm involved with, you know, um, sort of a high level junior football, right? Yeah. And everything that we're doing at junior football from about under 12s up is all about being, you know, um, able to play multiple positions. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's what is being drilled into kids, like from under tens. You've got to be flexible. You can't be hanging on to a position. You've got to be. You've got to be able to offer your coach. You know, multiple positions. All right? yeah. So that's that's what's happening with all of the kids from under tens all the way through SNFL elite development squads. Okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if you know, if you're six foot ten, well, you, you know, you're going to be playing in the ruck, aren't you? But generally speaking, you know, most of the kids they've got to be able to, you know, rotate between forward, mid, defence, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. The problem for me is that we've got Matt who cannot play 
any other position. You can't put him on a wing. You can't put him at half back. You can't put him at half. You can't do anything with him. He's just stuck in the middle of the ground. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, so, in in that in that vein, it then becomes a dilemma because we've got a couple of cold face players. We've got him. We've got Rory Laird. We've got Sanberry. Um, and I'd say Haitley's a little bit more in, in and out, but he has been uh, getting inside a fair bit, Jackson. So we've got all those players, and I would say that with Laird, you've got a re- reasonable amount of flexibility. You could play the, play him down back. Um, Berry can play up forward. Haitley can play, you know, high half forward, etc., etc. But you're right, Matt Crouch is is a cold face, first touch midfielder, distributor mostly by hand, and that is it. Uh, he gets to s- exposed defensively. Um, he's not constructive with his with his ball use out of congestion. So, considering the run that they're giving him, compared to uh, Haitley slash Berry, and I was with you like <clears throat> Macker and I and, and Nikki have discussed this over the last few weeks, where you know Haitley and Berry had a nice little combination going. Even though we were losing, they just was working really well. Um, Barry was showing that he can move positively through congestion, keep his feet, clear his hands, get a, a positive disposal way. Um, and now we're back to using them in bit rolls, um, which we have traditionally done to all our midfield uh, junior talent, uh, all the way back to uh, Gallucci and um, uh, who was the other lad that we that we picked in that year? Um, Miles Pahoki. Pahoki, yep, all the way back then. And to me, we're just killing careers at the moment. We're killing careers. Mm. So, you know, yeah, and you've got Harry, who, and yes, Harry's been out of touch and a few whispers going around about various things, but another one where you, you've got to make, you've got to make calls on, on kids. And to me, Harry is a worthwhile future proposition for us as long as he's, you know, um, uh, continues the trajectory that, it, that he started on last year. Um, but he's been, you know, put on the outside, put on the wings, you know, played at half forward. I just don't understand our midfield development at the moment. It just, it's just not logical to me. There's no, There doesn't seem to be any plan to it. And, you know, you've no, got and, Jake Saligo is another that, you, you know, he's done absolutely nothing wrong. It'll be interesting to see, as you mentioned, whether he starts getting some CBAs because he certainly deserves it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, what, what's disappointing, Fane, is that in, in the Carlton game, we do the right thing. Mm. We're, yep. Surely we're all, surely everybody, surely nobody gave a shit about that result. Sorry, that's right. my language. Surely no, nobody right. gave a shit about that result. Surely everybody saw, gee, this is really gutsy from Matt Nix. You know, we, we're going to we're going to chuck Jackson in there, and he's going to stay in Crips, and he's going to go. He's going to run with him, and he's going to actually learn the hard way. And and we're going to cop Crips getting thirty odd possessions and kicking three goals or whatever it was. Yeah. And look at the benefit we got from that. Yep, hundred percent, absolutely. And this is why. I don't understand. Like, you know, uh, even even Rory Laird. Now, Rory Laird has been an absolute soldier in the midfield and has filled a gap left by uh, our dearth of 
midfielders in the last you know two three mm. years. Um, he's made the most of his um, move from from defence into the midfield, and he's done exceptionally well. And yeah, you know, but we've got three workhorses in there. We've got Crouch, who we've spoken about. We've got Lady, who has his limitations in terms of his ability to get separation and his ball use. And we've got Benny Keys, who does get separation but burns it um, and is not really constructive. Um, you know, never question Benny's uh, work rate. Um, but he's not the most polished midfielder going around. So if that if that's the, the midfield combination that we want to go to, <coughs> then what what is that where does that leave blokes like Schoenberg and Berry and Haitley and Lukey Peddler who can't get in at the moment and you know one or two others, Saligo, etc. Zach Taylor sitting in the twos, um you know, um, Rochelle. Rochelle should be playing midfield as well. Rochelle, you know, who's only had a, a few rotations. So, how long, if they're going to persist with with that combination again for another season, that's just another uh, um, twenty three games worth of midfield development that those lads miss out on. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So anyway, and, and, and it was. The- for me, it was the, uh, amongst a whole lot of positives that we could talk about. Fiend, that was mm. just for me on on the day. That was the one, the one yeah. negative that really upset me. Yeah. Um, look, aside from that, I, I felt like um, you know it, the only other one that I thought might have been an opportunity is to give Young Warrell a run um, instead of uh, making Duday run on. Um, uh, their uh, their second tool down forward, or either that, or, or allow Warrell to come in and basically be a bit of a quarterback, along with Geordie. Um I had no problem with Patrick Parnell coming in. I just felt like it was a game that Warrell could have had a run. Um, his form has probably uh, plateaued a little bit in the twos over the last couple of weeks, but he had a great run and didn't get rewarded. And I guess that's. You know, you can't reward certain players like Riley O'Brien and Matt Crouch after one good game come back in if you don't reward a lad like Josh Worrell who had a period of, you know, three or four games of excellent form and didn't get a look in. Is that is that the end of the yeah. line for Josh Worrell, do you think? With the Crows? It's really odd because um he's had one he's had one game with us. He was drafted in twenty nineteen. Um He's had one game, which was that horror. Yeah, up in um, bloody Cairns or wherever it was. Game up in Cairns. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I, he's a player that I saw um, a couple of weeks ago down at the parade, and felt that he, you know, had a really, really penetrating kick. He, you know, he looked like he was a decent player. I, I think that it's unusual. I think, and I think, you know, Tarek Newchurch is another one as well who's had pretty consistent form. If we're honest, yeah. The couple of boys down there, for whatever reason, that seem to have had reasonably good form, and um, you know, there's a lot. There's been so, New Church is one that has been a lot of talk about the fact that you know he oh he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that, but he does kick goals, and um, he, he might not have a lot of possessions, but if you go back through the SNFL statistics fiend, he is a pretty regular goal kicker yeah. for a small forward, and I'm not quite sure what else they want him to do. Um, so he's one as well as Worrell, those two are a little bit of a mystery to me. See, and they'll trot out, uh, for Newchurch, they'll trot out his defensive efforts 
um, and that's fair enough. Except that we've got blokes in the ones. Like, when was Jimmy Rowe ever good defensively? And as you rightly point out, Jimmy Rowe's not hitting the scoreboard. Um, you know, Wayne Miller is a liability defensively. Uh, it, I reckon you and I could probably brush Wayne Miller um, in our wheelchairs. You know, um, Shane McAdams done really well defensively um, up forward. I think he's uh, been a bit of a revelation since he's come back in. Shane's been, he's been fantastic since he's come back in. Yeah, but there is scope for a genuine small forward uh, that has X factor. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't. I think sometimes coaches at Adelaide tend to outsmart themselves and they start to look at things that aren't important. You know, and mm. the primary purpose of Tariq being in a, in a side is to kick goals, is to crumb the ball, kick goals. You know, if, if he starts becoming a liability defensively, then of course you need to address it. But his number one KPI yeah. is kick goals. I'm struggling to understand what James Rowe's number one KPI is at the moment. Let me ask you this question, Fiend. On uh, Saturday, if we had played Newchurch instead of Rowe, would we have lost the game? No, absolutely not. I don't, I don't think we would have. I don't think we would have. Absolutely not. At the moment, we've got three blokes. We've got Murphy, we've got McHenry, and we've got um, Rowe that all play that small hit-up half-forward role, basically. James Rowe plays high, Lockie Murphy plays high and around the contest half the time. Nettie McHenry, you don't want him deep because he can't kick for shit when it comes to putting posts in front of him. Um, So you've got those three blokes that are all playing high-ish half-forward. You've got Shane McAdam who's playing deep, who who plays like a small when the ball's on the deck, so that's all right. Um, But we've got no one. We've got no real genuine bona fide crumbing goal kicker. And I don't think we would lose anything by having Tariq in instead of James Rowe, Ned McHenry or Lockie Murphy, to be honest. Probably a little bit unfair on Murphy and uh, McHenry because they do offer some defensive pressure. But I think you'd probably give away some of that just to have someone who could actually jag a goal off the deck. We don't have a lot of players that can jag a goal off the deck. A lot of our goals come from set shot kicking or, or you know, um, balls coming into the forward 50. We don't get a lot off the off the deck. I think we got one from Saligo on the weekend. Um, I can't think of too many others, though. No, so, uh, it doesn't... I can't, I can't think of any others either, actually. I just... Now, you know, sorry, someone with that, with that raw pace, um, I just... And he's been pretty. If you, even if you look at last year, he's been pretty consistent with the goals that he's kicked. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's been pretty consistent. And I think at, at what point it actually is going to just go? And you know, Borlo is the same. You know, Borlo yeah. and Newchurch have been on the list for what they were category Bs in twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen, I think, or twenty no nineteen, yeah. I think. So they had two years on the list. I think. Yeah. I think it's their third year on the list. That those two boys. You know, I mean, what do you get? At what point are you going to give them, a, you know, give a go? I mean, like we went in last week. We went in with one tall defender. Yeah, and oh look, don't get me started on that. We had a massive rant about that. It was just ridiculous. Um, now, Peter, we're yeah, and, interactive and, and, here, yeah. as you know. Sorry, no, yeah, that's on. all right. And uh, uh, Mick is one of our regular contributors, and we've just brought him on board to hear his contribution. Mick, how are you going, mate? Yeah, good. How are you going? Pretty good, mate. What do you got to uh, contribute for us? 
Oh, I tried to jump on last weekend, but um, you uh, went from having no one to having everyone on. Um, just what you were saying about last weekend about um, selection, and um, I don't think it's Matt Nix who's actually doing the selecting somehow because it seems to be uh, it was Nix, and then before that, um, it just seems to be the same very conservative selection and I think it's the selection panel itself overriding in a lot of ways because there can't be the same selection policies with different coaches unless there's some someone behind it doing it. Um, I don't I don't blame the selections just on Matt Nix. Um I mean it's obviously you would hope that he has the the casting vote. Um, but, You'd hope, but I don't know whether he has. Well, I mean, we've discussed this before, and Pete, I'd be interested in your point of view. I think there's a disconnect all the way through the club between list management, recruiting, uh, selection, player development. I don't think they're all on the same page. What do you think, Pete? Oh, look, you know my views on recruiting. Um, that's, I mean, if you, if you really want to get me started on a tear, I'll go and I'll, I'll look at recruiting. But um, I think that there are definitely some issues there in terms of, you know, the, the players that we need coming to that side. And so, yeah, no, I totally agree. And, yeah, look, I could spend a half an hour on some of our picks over the last couple of years and it's yeah. very, very frustrating, very well, frustrating. Think- Balance of our on that, very on that one, Pete. I think, it, in my opinion, anyway, it's improved in the last two, maybe three years. The years before that, that was pretty poor, and I actually put that down to to um, our previous coach in a lot of ways on who he thought was the player we need, players or player that we needed. Because I think the new ones we have now, they mightn't be the, you know, that much variance in size, but they've all got that bit of mongrel. And I think you can put that down to that way Matty Nix likes people. Um, I don't know whether the coaches have too much sway on on selection, on, on, on who we pick, but I don't think they have enough sway on who we pick on the actual game day. Well, they um, have to, Mick. They have to. The selection panel is essentially the coaches. There'd be a selection committee that would have Rashido on there. It'd probably have uh, maybe Adam Kelly. Um, but it'd be at least Nixon and Burns as senior assistant. Yeah. I just... I don't know. I just think that um, it's been going on too long. For two, for more than one coach, the same very conservative um, selections to be all Matt Nicks. I agree with you on that one. I, it's been endemic in our club for a long, long time. We 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 hang on to old faithful Scotty Thompson, Richie Douglas, you know, the, uh, yeah. Matty Crouch. Now, I mean, we we seem to have uh, uh, an inability to put performance ahead of longevity and seniority and good bloke, club man kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, good bloke. Yeah, yeah he's a good bloke to have a beer with. 
you know, so it looks fine. Look on the bright side. David McKay was offered a a one-year deal. He he walked away. So he was yeah. offered a one-year deal this year. Oh, I can't see Matt Crouch doing the, that, though. Look on the bright side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, why did we offer actually, Oh, God. I'm hoping the end of this year, or if not end of this year, I don't know, when does VB's contract end? Because out of the three line coaches, he seems to be the... Uh, the least impressive performance. Yeah, I I think uh, the the worry that I had about uh, VB coming into the side that he'll end up being here for twenty years, he'll be the next Scotty Camparelli. That's the worry I have. Oh, Christ, I hope I hope not. Held in very mm. high regard at the club, um, you know, was made captain when he obviously uh, wasn't you know the best player. So his leadership qualities were held in very high regard. Uh, they didn't waste too much time getting him back on board once he'd done his time at West Coast. As soon as he became available, I think you'll find that Nathan Van Berlo will be on the coaching panel at Adelaide for as far as the eye can see. Yep. That's my yeah. read. Which is not what which is not what we want. I want I mean as I said, out of the three lines, I think the midfield is the um the worst performing. Mick, love having a chat. Let me before you go. Let me just ask you this question: What did you like about Saturday? Um, I do like some of our our younger players. I, I like Lego a lot. I like Hayley. Yeah. Um, I think those two are you know are really good shining lights. Um, I'm liking you know, I know it's only two games, but two games in a row. Um, Fog played well, and I did like the fact that Fog seemed to be up the ground, and then Walker was was more, you know, at, in, in the, in the uh, goal square, and then they'd swap over. They didn't seem to get in each other's road for once. Mate, were you like me? Were you a little bit surprised about Darcy's agility? Like, he just absolutely tore some... Yeah. Tore some very, surprised. very surprised on that, and he's a hell of a lot better field kick than I, than I grabbed him credit for. Yeah, I loved his little good. move on the uh, on the members' wing, where he, he turned that bloke inside out along the boundary. There, that was uh, that was some pace. Was was very surprised. Yeah, because he burned him off basically. So, yeah, yeah he's right. a lot quicker than I thought he was. No, Mick, was thanks for stuff. joining us as usual, mate. I'll flick you back to the crowd. No, and if, it, if anyone wants to uh, to have their say uh, during the course of the cast tonight, feel free to stick your hand up like Mick has. Uh, always good to have people's points of view. Um, all right, let's not get too bogged down. Let's go through some stats. Um, and let's have a look. So uh, disposals-wise, 367 to 340 disposals. We were... Uh, whoops. We were... Um, uh, kick to hand well ratio wasn't too bad 201 166 inside 50s 59 to 44 that kind of evened up after half time I think that stat was well and truly in our favour um, in the first half disposal efficiency from both sides was pretty good considering the conditions uh, around 72 73% uh, contested posies uh, that's probably where we won the game really 153 to 127 uncontested 215 to 209 turnovers were equal at 75 uh, hit outs, uh, Riley O'Brien 48 to 30 there. Clearances 37 34, which uh, included 13 to 6 in the centre. And uh, we lost stoppage 24 28. And 
they outmarked us as you'd expect, uh, being slightly taller, eighty six seventy eight. But we did have eleven marks to five inside fifty. So I think credit to our defenders um, that they were able to limit um, Kennedy and and Darling's um, ability to take marks up forward. Uh, contested marks eight to ten, fairly even. Tackles even, 75 to 74. Tackles inside 50s, fairly even, 18 to 13. So, I mean, really, it was just at the coalface, I think, Pete. Um, if you look at the head-to-head stats, the one that really stands out is contested possession. It just seemed to me that we were a little bit harder at the contests and uh, particularly in the first half, probably a little bit cleaner by foot. Still, we were um, uh, pretty hard at it, and and I, I was really, uh, in, particularly in that first half, I was so, apart from one player who, for me, stood out for the West Coast. I was really disappointed in their attack on the ball, and that was uh, Petrescu uh, Seaton. Yeah, oh, was really it's... his attack on the ball was really fierce, and yeah. a couple of times we were sitting down by the fence. There was a couple of times I thought it was just really like a bit scary how hard he was attacking the ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they only had one. It was the only, it was the only one, and so. I thought we, you know, yeah, we, we were able to beat them fairly comfortably in the area. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're such a hard team to read, West Coast, because, like you say, it's not as if they haven't got players. They've got players. They don't do anything by halves, Fiend. They No, they don't. West Coast, <laughs> they win premierships or they get high draft picks. They don't dick yeah. around like other teams do. Yeah. And they should, be the mod- they should be the model for every club to follow they, yeah. they do not dick around it's flags or draft picks yeah well because as you said their their intensity their intensity around the ball was was lacking and yeah. um you know you and i both know it only takes you to take your foot off the pedal by one or two degrees and uh you're going to be left standing and that's essentially what happened they apart from as you say patrisky seaton they didn't have a lot of intensity around the ball. They were quite happy to get for Adelaide to have first use most of the time. And um, yeah, I'm with they've you. They got a whole lot of premiership. They got a whole lot of premiership players that are on the way out. And you know, it's kind of like just please, you know, your parting gift is uh, you know a number one or two pick. Thank you very much. And yeah. um, they're obviously they're obviously all on board with that. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's not the first time. They built their last premiership yep. run on the back of a couple of uh, years down <laughs> the bottom. Absolutely. They do yeah. not give a shit, West Coast. They will no. just tank hard. Yep. Yep. And it's not being talked about. I mean, you know, they had all the. They had a bit of cover because of uh, having to deal with McGowan's COVID stuff early in the year, and they've had a few injuries and all the rest of it. But if, if you look at the quality of the team and. and uh, the players that are still in there. They've still got premiership players on every line. Yeah. Um, yeah. They shouldn't be getting flogged. And they're getting absolutely yeah. flogged. And for them to be below yeah. bloody North Melbourne, like, that's an achievement. That's an achievement. <laughs> and no one's that. talking about it. Yeah. I, anyway. I'm full of admiration for West Coast. Full of admiration. Yeah, they don't dick around. Let's look at some individuals uh, just quickly. Uh, Laird, 33 touches, 10 and 23, if you don't mind. He had nine tackles, uh, 336 metres gained, eight clearances. Um, He had uh, six inside 50s, nine score involvements, uh, 17 contested possessions. Uh, In a fairly even performance, um, Pete, I felt like he was probably our best midfielder and probably, you know, top three. 
on the ground? No question about that. I thought Lurdy had a good game and he was super, super value if you wanted to get on him for a bet on possessions because on a, on a day like that when it was rainy, yep. a bit wet, it, there was never any, going to be any question that Lurdy was going to get his hands on the ball. Um, he's a terrific in-under player and he's got his limitations, but let's not um, yeah, let's not put him in you know, the category of some other players. He is a, he's a very, very good performer. Yep, and you're right, he does have his limitations. Um, and, but if he was our primary inside mid, you'd be more than happy week in, week out to have him in your team, wouldn't you? No question at all. Yeah, Benny He's Keys, a quality, quality player. Yeah. Benny Keys, 29 touches, 13 and 16, two marks, three tackles, 411 metres gained. He had five clearances. Uh, he also had seven inside 50s, uh, five score involvement, seven intercepts. Uh, 16 contested possessions. Um, not his cleanest game, but again, you just get effort after effort after effort, effort from Ben. Yep. Uh, he's look. He's our he's our only midfielder. Midfielder that look. There's an issue with his kicking, and I hope that they can work with him on that. Mm. But he is our only midfielder that can get separation. Fiend. Uh, yeah, he is. He is. Now, I think with him, it's composure by foot. His technique breaks down. Um, uh, at pace, he he drops the ball from far too high. When he's at pace, he's not able to get himself balanced. Um, you know, he's extremely one-sided, and it just seems to me he his technique um, doesn't stand up under pressure or when he's running hard. So that's probably the the area that he needs to work on. Uh, Crouch, we talked about. He only had nine kicks for the game, 18 handballs, uh, 154 metres gained. Um, you know, with with Crouch, we've spoken about only three inside 50s, five score involvements, uh, only seven contested possessions, and that's the thing that stood out to me. Whilst he's playing predominantly as an inside mid, Pete, he's not getting a lot of contested ball. Uh, no, he's not. And, um, the and he's not will, an outside um, player. Expose Matty on that. You know, Matt gets the ball on the outside. He's not going to do any damage. He's not penetrating yeah. enough. He doesn't kick the ball far enough. He doesn't like. He tends to kick laterally. He doesn't more carry often the ball. He doesn't carry it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Hately for the uh, time he spent in the middle. Also uh, six and nineteen um, for twenty-five touches, five marks, uh, three clearances, two seventy-three meters gained. Um, what else notable? Five intercepts, um, eight contested possessions. Uh, I'm just a victim of what we were speaking about earlier, just not being played in the right position, in my opinion. Well, how many lessons do you want to give Jackson? I mean, you've, you've, you've given him a game on Paddy Cripps uh, to get smashed, and then you've given him a game on, uh, on Gaffey, who's Gaffey, got 30 yeah. possessions as well. Yeah. So, he, I mean, like, what are you actually trying to do with this kid? Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, just... You know, put him in the middle, and I mean, you know, we're on a roll with Jackson. We're on a roll. We're giving him that 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 experience. He he had some really good games in the midfield. He had good CBAs. He you know, don't go backwards. And and I want to say this about Jackson Hately because I loved him as a as a junior. I actually wanted him, wanted him to come to us in that draft year, um, and I was you know disappointed with his first efforts um, at Adelaide. But his ability to get through his OP and to um, 
to come into a side that, in the coach's own words, is stacked with midfielders um, and to make a mark and now probably be uh, amongst our magnets on the board every week um, as first picked. I think that's a credit to him, and I'm really happy for Jackson that he's been able to take these steps forward, and I hope they don't stuff him up. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and you know that we, we, we've always been a, a G for Jacko, and um, we've always, you and I, we've always sort of used the, the fact that he's never been played in his preferred position, how he's been, mm-hmm. you know, shuffled around and shuffled around and, dick, you know, really digged around, to be honest. Yep. Uh, and uh, so disappointed that Matt was recalled because I just knew that we would end up in this position, Fee. Yeah. Oh, that was nothing sure. Nothing sure. Anyway, uh, Jordy yeah. Dawson continues to have a career season, 23 touches, 19 kicks, four handballs, nine marks. He, he plays tall, doesn't he, Jordy? Uh, six ten metres gained, uh, which is excellent from your chief distributors. Six intercepts, 82% disposal efficiency, if you don't mind, too. Um, the only the only problem that I've got with Geordie is not Geordie, but the way that they're just plugging gats with him. Um, at some stage, I think we have to work out where we want Jordan to play and how we want to use him. And then instead of plugging gaps, because this is the other thing, Pete, you know, whilst Jordan is the Mr. Fix-It at the moment, it's also robbing other players of of having to take responsibility for certain parts of the field. Um, and it's great to have that resource there, but I, I think we need to play Jordan where Jordan needs to be played and let other players take responsibility. Yeah, look, it's a really, really good point. And why wouldn't, against the, you know, the bottom team, why wouldn't you have backed yourself in and have, have him up on the wing mm-hmm. and... You know, and Jackson in the middle, and anyway, we could go on. But it just seemed to me against a team like West Coast, particularly when we had the run of the game in the first half, that you would yep. just push him up yep. and um, you know, and, be, and be a little bit more attacking with him. Don't yes, you think? yes, hundred oh, yeah. percent. But he certainly needs to yeah. be ball in hand coming into forward fifty. Um, you know, yeah. because he can also sneak forward and take a grab. He plays tall. Uh, he's good over his head. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's great having him being the sweeper off, sweeper off half back and all the rest of it. But he's kind of wasted there, and yeah, you know, he he's um at the moment he's probably our primary weapon, and we're using him mm. in a completely negative role. Um, and I'm, yeah. I'm with you. We've got 903 half back flankers. Why do we need to put Geordie there? You know, if if, yeah. if the other 900 half back flankers that we got aren't good enough. Then uh, you know we got a problem here <laughs> because uh, there should be one of them there that that can play that role. Um, I see. This is where on the weekend I would have been happy to see Worrell or even Billy Frampton for that matter come in. So to either yeah, free I, up, yeah, yeah, either free up Tommy Duday to play the role that he's suited to, which is essentially what we've got Dawson playing, or allow Worrell to take that role if it, or Billy to take that role if you want to have Duday on one of the tools. Um, yep. So you can see the knock-on effect by playing Jordan so negatively. You know, it actually yeah. imbalances things. Are we agreeing too much? Because this is a Sunday wrap. Are we supposed to be punching on? Is that what's supposed to happen? Are we no, too much? no, no, no. What should happen is that we should have <laughs> normal, logical re- uh, discourse 
um, what tends to happen is that Macca and Nikki talk shit and I have to pull them up. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true at all. It's not true at all. Um, you know, look, if we can get too agreeable, we'll just start talking politics or something. Um, Techs, uh, um, again, probably in our top two or three, I think, it was a really good game from him. 22 kicks from Tex, 13, uh, 22 touches, I should say, three goals, one, uh, 13 kicks, nine handles, eight marks, uh, 330 metres gained, um, you know, four contested marks, which is uh, good from Tex, a couple of inside 50s, 10 score involvements, 13 contested possessions. Um, you know, I, you might not have been privy to the last couple of weeks' conversation, um, Pete, but to me... Um, Tex's ability to re- rejuvenate himself over the last 24 months, basically, uh, to me, it allows him to play until he's 35 now. And I think, whereas before, I think we were probably looking for Tex to finish up, uh, you know, during those lean seasons where he wasn't playing so well and he wasn't con- going for marks and all the rest of it. But Tex in his current form um should be a linchpin of our, of our forward line for the next two or three seasons, I think. Well, Fane, we had this conversation on that relic of a show, TNL. We we had that <laughs> conversation about yeah. how long could, could Tex go on for, and yeah. we talked about you know Tom Hawkins. We talked you know players like that. that you know they're all going. You know the, these you know the big key forwards. You know they're going on into their well into their thirties because yeah. you know they're not you know you know aerobically and sort of you know difficult positions to play for, the, for for those guys. Yeah. Tex would be like Tom Hawkins. He'll play, you know, he'll just keep playing. He could play till he's 35. Was he now? Is he 33? Uh, 32, I think. He's got three more years. I reckon he's got three more years. Easily. Easily. Yeah. Well, you look what, George, uh, what Geelong have done with Hawkins. They added Cameron and everyone thought, oh, yeah, they're just going to get in each other's way. But what it does, it actually takes the pressure off Hawkins a bit. It allows them both to to be effective. Di- you've got to cover both of them because if you don't cover both of them, one's going to get off the chain, um, like yep. Cameron got off the chain on the weekend with six goals. It, what we've got to... You know, we've always said, you know, we need to give Darcy the keys and Tex needs to push aside. But now, given Tex is back to probably similar form to prior to ACL we now have the opportunity to have a forward line that has Fogarty if he continues to improve, Tex Walker and Riley Thilthorpe um, or, you know, arresting Ruckman. And McAdam. With McAdam jumping around and doing a bit of the work on the deck and and maybe a new church or or another small forward. And all of a sudden it becomes a a fairly potent forward line. I think... You know, the ability, and uh, it was pointed out very well earlier um, that Fogarty and Tex were working very well in tandem, which is something we don't often see with those two or we haven't seen in the past. Fogarty's tended to lead where Tex is leading and Tex will get the ball. But I felt like they were they were rubber banding a fair bit uh, on the weekend where you'd have one up, one back, uh, and that seemed to be working really well. The only, the only I guess... Um, question and again uh, interested in your thoughts on this one is Riley Thilthorpe that marking forward I don't know whether he is because I think Riley is also a running high forward in the Nick Revolt mode 
do we need a bloke that can clunk him up down there? Do we play two rucks and have one down the forward? I don't know. We've got options, I guess. Yeah, Riley's an interesting player, and, and I think that we can't... We've got to remember, you know, he's in his second year of football. Oh, yeah. yeah he's, yeah. What, ni- he's, what, 19 or 20 years old. So he, he's got a lot of development to come in his body. Um, personally, I think that I think that Riley is a, is a ruck straight midfielder. Mm. Um, and I think that we'll, we'll get the benefit of that. And I think that um, it's funny, isn't it? Because people say, oh, don't spend a high pick on a ruck. And, oh, you know, we don't like Riley O'Brien because he's, you know, he's not this and he's not that. You know, class players are class players. You know, Riley is a class player. Don't worry about that. And the benefit that the Crows will get from Riley is is being a, you know, a right straight midfielder because he will, you know, he's a, he's a kind of guy who'll get clearances, he'll run around the ground, he'll you know, get possessions. He's a, you know, is it, I mean, you look at Max Gorn, you look at Jackson, you know, that tandem that they've got. Yeah, going. yeah. Quality and, you know, incredibly important players. And Riley will be that player. But he... You know, I don't. I, I don't. I think personally, I think that he, if he ended up, the people are pigeonholing him as a goal square, you know, marking forward. I think I think it's a waste to be yeah. honest. I think he's yeah. got much more to offer the team than that. I think he. I think he's an integral engine room player. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's the key he, difference he between be him and Logan McDonald, to be honest, because I think Logan totally McDonald is that traditional out of the square forward. I reckon. That's the difference. Yeah, no, and Riley's a totally different. But he's got to, you know, you, I mean, people have got to be patient with the fact that, you know, he's still in his second year of football. You're talking, you know, at all like that. He's got to grow into his body. He's got to put, you know, he's got to put, put weight on, he's got muscle. You know, you, you know, 22, 23 years old before he starts to really show what yep. he can do. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, he, you know, he's got pace. He's got, you know, he's got great agility. He's got great hands. He's got great game sense. Um, and you know he'll be a great player for us, but you know to pigeonhole him as a you know as a marking forward, I think is um, is wrong. So that that's but it, so to, so I guess that then in answer to your question, do we are we looking in the draft this year? We've got a couple of tools, genuine key forward propositions coming through in the draft this year, and um, Lemmy and Scully, both Westies boys. Um, yeah. So you know. Maybe they'll be, they'll, you know those two boys are you know shaping as top ten picks as key forwards and they're genuine key forwards they're not rucks yeah they're key forwards and so you know I don't know it's really hard because you know the pressure's on Hamish to try and produce a midfielder because he's stuffed up all of our other midfield choices over the last few years and so do we you know I don't know it's going to be a very very interesting draft this year theme so I put this to you Peter do we need uh, uh, taking the uh, the lottery of Jason Horn Francis off the table, assuming that's all just smoke and mirrors, and he resigns to a ten-year, fifty million dollar deal with North Melbourne. Yep. Are we at the point with the amount of midfielders that we do have? Are we at the point now where we can afford to go for that key forward or a key defender or something like that at the expense of a midfielder and look to draft another twenty-four-year-old? Midfielder into the team, and I, the Jacob Hopper comes to mind. Um, you know, there's been whispers about McGrath, or those trade. really uh, trade uh, one in, you mean? Yeah, trade one in, I mean. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, 
uh, I have to be honest, I'm really, really keen on either Lemmy or um, Scully. Um, mm. And there's a lot to play out in the under, in the junior season yet. We haven't had national champs. Um, so those two boys um, are, are sort of competing for that sort of, you know, first cab off the rank in terms of key forward, but they're both really exciting prospects, those two yeah. boys, really yeah. exciting. I'd be I'd be super keen, I have to be honest. I'd be super keen to take one of those two boys. Um, and then, as you say, if we've got some irons in the fire with an established midfielder, then I think that that, that, that helps our list. Yeah, I th- I'm starting to think that maybe that's the way to go. We bring in another midfielder this year, um, you know, it's another two years, un- unless you're getting a gilt-edge midfielder, um, you know, and, and let's not talk about the the fact that we miss out on Horn Francis and we miss out on Finn Callahan as well. Uh, I was a bit surprised we didn't take Carmichael in the mid-season draft, Pete, I've got to say. Uh, I felt like the turner... The turner pick was odd. By all reports, we're the only ones that were interested in him. I thought that we might have been able to take Carmichael and Turner if we were so keen on Turner. I'm not yeah, quite I was sure of the rationale. Yeah, the uh, key defender from Victoria. Yeah. I can't think of his name. He was a young Sudanese lad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I remember the one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Super keen on him. I think he would have been a real acquisition. But anyway. Yeah, so I don't. Uh, not quite sure what the rationale was there, particularly considering we we picked up uh, we uh, dropped off two uh, uh, two spots. Um, so anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, let's keep going with this. Um, Brody Smith, eh, what do you think of Smith's game? Uh, Twenty one touches, seventeen and four, six marks, six tackles, four twenty meters gained. Um, it just seems out of sorts with his disposal at the moment. I mean, he went at eighty one percent, and yeah. For some reason, I feel like he's struggling with his disposal lately. Well, I think it was a workmanlike performance from Brody. I think you know, he punched the card in, he punched it out, and I think that he, you know, it was a decent game from him. But, Fane, we've talked about it before, and you and I both know that disposal isn't Brody's strength. Mm. They're kicking the ball long is, is a great strength of his, but you know, hitting up you know, you know, 30, yeah, 30 35 targets is yeah. not, his, it's not his strength. And I, honestly, I, I'm going to. I'm really going to put my nuts on the line here, Fane. I yeah. think that our side is going to really benefit from a kid like Parnell, who is a really, really good distributor of halfback, like a genuine 30-metre, like hit your target, like like run hard for 20 metres, 30-metre kick, you know, 50 yeah. metres gained. Yeah. I think that he is that player. I really do. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you and I are both on record about Smithers. Um you know, I would have had him on the trade table years ago, yeah, um, because I think he does ago, yeah. has he does have some strengths, Brody. Uh, he's not a bad player, but under pressure, he's been found wanting with disposal in the past, yeah. and I just feel like he'd be one of those players where we could have got value. Yeah. Anyway, look, as you say, it was a workmanlike effort. He certainly wasn't. Out, he was probably in our top top half a dozen, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it's fine. And. It just worries me. What worries me, Fane, is, is that, you know, I mean, I know that Pineal ended up taking a knot. I'm not sure how he is, but it, just what concerns me is that, you know, he's just going to, he'll be up for one game and then straight back down for Luke Brown yeah. to come back in. Yeah, yeah. And I just, uh, you know what I mean? That frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I know. Anyway. 
Uh, Sammy Berry, um, 18 touches, which wasn't bad. Again, 5 and 13. A lot of handballs in there from our inside midfielders this week. Um, only 142 metres gained. He did get eight clearances, though, and eight tackles. He's a, I think he's number one for pressure acts in the competition at the moment, Sam Berry, which is a credit to him. Um, three centre clearances, two score involvements, 13 contested possessions. I, I love the way Sam Berry goes about it. I really do. It really pisses me off that he's been shoved to the outside again and put up forward and all the rest of it. I just... I like the way he's got such a good low centre of gravity and he's got good core strength. I love the way he's able to move through congestion, take a tackle, keep his hands free and still dispose constructively. Fed, I was close to the boundary on Saturday and uh, there was a number of contested situations which were near the boundary and the positions that kid puts himself in uh, and puts himself in, I should say, and the physicality that he has is just phenomenal. It really is. Yeah. Like I just would not, I would not want to do his job. Sorry. He's a bloody unit. He's a bloody unit, isn't he? He 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 puts himself in some really really tough, contested, congested positions, and he's a terrific kid. Love him. Yeah. Yeah, just going back to the Turner Carmichael thing, I noticed Firewalker in the chat said that Turner nominated for a six-month deal, Carmichael for an eighteen-month deal. So whether that was uh, an issue or not, I'm not quite sure. But not a sure. 20, 22-year-old lad that uh, is going to right in a losing team, maybe take a punt. He's in the right age profile. Yep. I don't. Well, Turner's coming back from a foot injury. He's not going to be right till after the bye. He's probably going to be underdone because he's been out for a few weeks. You got him on a six-month deal. Was that just a pick to uh, to strengthen our SNFL team, Pete? That's the cynic's view. Or destabilise Glenelg? To be honest, I wasn't particularly happy with that pick, but you know, I, I, yeah, <laughs> very very strange. Pick. But the, the rules are such that he cannot um, play for the Crows against the Bays. You know that rule's in place yeah. for the Sandful. Yeah. So, you know, um, can't do that. But, yeah, I thought it was very, very strange that we pick up a player that probably is not going to be fit for a couple of weeks and then will yeah. probably be another couple, you know, to get himself back to full fitness. So very, very odd pick um, from my uh, my point of view. Um, as I said, I you know, have my sights set on. Look, to me... Every draft like that, particularly when we're still coming off with some COVID issues, yeah. every every draft like that is an opportunity to you know get a bit of a diamond in the rough development yeah. player. I'm not, I'm not interested in 25 year old sample players, and I you know I look at the example of Paddy Parnell last year that we picked in the you know you look at um, Newcomb, you know, the, the lad that Hawthorne picked up. You know there yeah. are young players out there, the young develop. You know it should be for me. The mid-season draft, just treat it as a normal draft. You know, who are the yep. young players out there that maybe we've missed? 100%. Um, and so we got Parnell. I think Parnell will be a long-term player for us. I don't think that Turner will. No, uh, I agree, 100%. Um, Mitch Hinge, I thought, uh, was serviceable without being amazing, but I am a bit of a fan of his. He goes in hard and uh, has a good leg on him. Uh, 13-5, and five, had six marks. Uh, gained us 431 metres, so that's what you want from your running halfback flanker. Um, what else did he do? Anything? Four inside 50s. He had nine intercepts, which is good. Went at 83% disposal efficiency. So I, I, I like Mitch. Uh, he's one of my one of my uh, 
one of my favourites, and I thought he played pretty reasonable again on the weekend. Of the rest, uh, yeah, he was okay. He's yeah. not. He, I mean, I, I, you know, he was okay. I don't love him as much as you do, but I yeah. don't dislike him either. I think yeah. he had a good game, and um, yeah. yeah, that was fine. Yeah, uh, Miller uh, got a bit more of the ball. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, when you talk about Mitch being one of my one of my favourites, Wayne just isn't. Um, well, just the thing with Wayne, I'm just desperate for us to have a first round draft pick that succeeds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we is got that, one going right in the back pocket. Uh, Wayne's going to see. I don't see Miller as a forward. Of all the pl- of all the spots on the ground to play him, I don't see him as a forward. He should be a yeah. wingman. He should that his build and his speed and his delivery should be a wingman. But they don't seem to want to so play him there. With his agility, he should be in the field. He should be yeah. in the guts. Yeah, yeah. He is. A, he has that quality, and um, I don't know whether he'll ever come back to the fitness that's required to play that position. Um, but that's to me where his his. I mean, he has incredible agility, mm. and he, you know, his capacity to, you know, be in a contested situation and come out of that and still deliver the ball is is amazing. Yeah, but I'm just, you know, I'm just desperate to look. Can I look back somewhere in the last ten years and find a first round draft pick that succeeded for us? That's all I'm looking for. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I. I much rather see this is where I would much rather see Wayne play a block of games in the midfield in this sandfall, which I thought that's what the twos were for, rather than waste him on a half forward flank in the in the A's. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I I mean he kicked a goal. Very good. Uh, Paddy Parnell was a very good debut, fourteen kicks, one handball, three hundred and twelve metres gained, I thought was excellent from Paddy. Uh Lockie Murphy, meh, James Rowe, meh. Yeah. Um Ned McHenry, um, Saligo, very good. Only the 10 touches, but every time he gets the damn ball, he does something good with it. Oh, Quality for possessions. Yes, surprised. he does. Yep. Um, Thorpe had a quiet he ran, day. He, you see, uh, shout out to Vardy Magic. Um, did you see Vardy Magic's tweet that Saligo ran 15.2K? Yeah. Well, he's been he's been consistently above fifteen k's for the last three weeks. I think. That's I mean, that's amazing a, for kids. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be an absolute machine, and like you say, he's got to start getting some midfield minutes because if he can if he can put those sort of numbers up at this stage of his career, it's just going to burn off every player in the bloody AFL once he gets once he gets a couple of years into his legs. Um, totally agree. I think he, I think he's one of the most exciting prospects in our list, been. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, Darcy Fogarty, I thought was really good. Twelve and nine, kicked three goals, um, three sixty-eight meters gained. He did some good work up the ground. Took five marks. Um, how many inside fifties did he have, Darcy? Only the uh, five inside fifties. That's what I thought. Uh, six score involvements. Um, that if do you know if if that's what we got from Darcy Fogarty every week, I'd be happy. A question. Did some great uh, things. Yep, McAdam. Um, I I actually have, and um, just to give you a heads up, I'll be asking you for five four three two one later, Peter. That's what we do these days on the wrap. 
Um, McCannum was definitely in that frame for mine. Um, not huge numbers, but his defensive work, uh, his ability at ground level, and I, I just have a um, a big admiration for a bloke. Uh, Shane McCannum was a forgotten man for mine. He was he was a forgotten man, and then when he got picked, it's like, oh, shit, Shane McAdam, what's he been doing? But his effort and his ability to stay focused and stay in the contest since he's come back has been first-rate, and I think it's a real credit to him. Yep, totally agree. I think he's been great. Yeah. Um, Riley Quiet wasn't really a day for the big man, and Harry didn't get a run. Oh, did Harry get a run? Yeah, he did get a run, but he didn't do much for him. All right, answer me this. Harry yep. Schoenberg, right? No disposals, but four metres gained, according to AFL.com.au. Already <laughs> <laughs> head of the damn ball or something. Uh, how does that happen? I, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the poor bugger had to go out and play in that mud heap um, today, uh, or yesterday, um, uh, afterwards. Mm. But he probably needs to work. I hope Harry can get it together because uh, at his best, he's a really good piece in that midfield puzzle. So that's basically it, Pete. Um, you know, no, a couple of good performances. Uh, you know, people tracking the right way. Um, we go to the buy now uh, with an opportunity to reset. Um, so uh, I had actually, speaking of which, I was supposed to interview Jake Saligo last week. Um, but I got caught up with work, so we'll have Jake Saligo on over the next couple of weeks, which will be fantastic Beautiful. as well. Looking yep. forward to to having a chat with him. All right, so as mentioned, Peter, we do have uh, our Crowcast Player of the Year award, and we also have our People's Choice Player of the Year. Now I have um, put in the, uh, the votes that have come in on our Discord channel um, for up to round 12. At the moment, Jordan Dawson is an absolute walkaway leader. 138 points. The next best is Walker on 79, Key 71, and then a big gap to Laird, Rochelle, and a few others. In the uh, podcasters um, lineup before this week's votes, we've got Dawson on 80, Keys on 66, Laird 43, Rochelle on 30 with Smith and Walker on 25. So but a few blokes starting to push up. Hately's pushing up the list. Uh, Berry's pushing up the list. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, so not all said and done in the casters' votes yet, but, geez, someone's going to have to have a pretty good back half of the year to catch Geordie in the listeners' votes. That all being said, Peter, would you have a 54321 for me? I'll give five to Rory Laird. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Four to Taylor Walker. Yep. Three to Jordan Dawson. Yep. Two to Ben Keys. Yep. And one to Jackson Hatley. Very good. How's that um, sound? Well, it sounds pretty good. Um, <laughs> this is one of those times <laughs> where when 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 Nikki has been Nikki has pulled some votes out where I thought what the hell, <laughs> but anyway we have we have fun with that one. Um, I've also given Lady five. Um, I gave Dawson four. I gave Walker three. I gave Fogarty two, and I gave um, uh, Keys one. Uh, with 
Jackson being a bit stiff. So yep. fairly, can fairly I, I similar. In that? We're, we're pretty close. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. A um, couple of minutes left. If anyone's got anything to say, you better be very quick. Uh, don't forget, if you want to support the Crowcast, um, you can go to um, patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. And all your support is um, appreciated. Um, now, next week, uh, we will probably do a little bit of a uh, mid-season uh, evaluation of the state of play, uh, which will be uh, well worthwhile, I think, um, and then onwards and upwards. Now, just also, Peter might have to teach you how to do the podcast because on the 29th of June... And the uh, sorry, the twenty ninth of July and the following week, which will be the sixth of August, unless someone can learn real quick how to do this podcast, I'm going to be away overseas for two weeks, so we won't have any podcasts there. Uh, Got to go to Indonesia for a few days and then swinging through to Thailand for a week. So uh, with Mister Brown, uh, which should be a bit of fun. Uh, His daughter's doing some some uh, exchange in uh, in Jakarta so we're going up there to drop her off and then we're going to go and we won't be hitting the beach in Thailand because it's raining a fair bit so if anyone wants to do the podcast for two weeks <laughs> come and hit, come and hit me up me. come and hit me up and I'll teach you how to do it in five minutes flat and then I'll do myself out of a job <laughs> or else I'll do it so off my we, fu- I'll do off my phone go, in, in Indonesia yeah before we go and we've just well, we've got a, little, a tiny little bit of a dead spot I do just want to, um, having watched the Brisbane Frio game tonight, yeah. I want to give a bit of a shout-out to, I think, one of the most, a really maligned and forgotten South Australian player in James Ash. Yes, absolutely. Football. 100%, and I just Peter. want to give a shout-out because there, there, there's a guy who everyone kind of like thought, oh, he's just a wasted draft pick. He is on five, He would be in the top sort of two or three wingmen in, in, in the uh, in the competition at the moment, so I think just a, a, an acknowledgement of James that you know he's a forgotten player. He's a player that we all thought was you know like a wasted draft pick, but he, he's been a little bit of a journeyman. But he is playing career best football, so good on him. And you know, it's an indictment on the system that we operate in, isn't it? That we take kids young, and we 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 make calls on players very early on. And here's a bloke who, as you say, is a journeyman, probably a bit light when he entered the system, I would have thought. Um, but Jesus is putting in some good footy, and it's a credit to him, and it's great to see the H name continue in, in uh, the AFL because Michael and, to a lesser degree, what was his, Andrew, wasn't it? Um, they were, you know... Yep. Stalwart, stalwarts yep. of the SANFL back, back in the housing days of the 80s, so good on him, I agree. Um, and there's a few blokes. There's a bloke running around for Fremantle at the moment. Um, well, was was Fremantle that we could have probably picked up, Peter? Um, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> don't get me started on the fact that we develop. We spent time and money developing Alex Keith as a key defender, and then let him walk, so that we had to pick Fisher Mackesee and not pick Caleb Sarong, who had. 31 disposals, eight tackles and six clearances today. But, I, you know, I was just thinking about that. You know, I was just, just, just you know. Well, let, oh, let's God. finish off. Uh, let's finish off just real quick talking about that. We, we probably missed Fisher back at, at the discussion around selection. But again, another week where we're 
and it's been two, two, three weeks in a row now where we've preferred to go in with one genuine KPD. Um, didn't we spend a first round pick on a KPD? We did. <laughs> I don't know. I just, is there anything to read into that? <laughs> <laughs> and I know they've been playing Fisher up forward, but I mean, that's just a waste of freaking time, isn't it? Seriously. Yeah, it is. It's a waste I of time. Just, anyway. anyway. All right, look, uh, we might wrap it up there, Peter. It's been fantastic having you on tonight. I uh, appreciate you coming on. Thank and you so be... much for having me on. I'm, I'm, very, I'm appreciative and I enjoy, um, always enjoy participating in the uh, uh, in the podcast. And so thanks for having me on, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, we'll probably call on you again in a few weeks. Um, but uh, in the meantime, uh, if you're listening on YouTube, uh, don't forget to give us a like and subscribe. If you're listening via iTunes, don't forget to pop in a review or a rating if you feel inclined to do so. Um, and uh, all that being said, we will be back at 8.30 next week for the wrap, uh, talking about our season to date. But in the meantime, I hope everyone stays dry. It's going to be a shitful week of weather. Um, and uh, we will see you in seven days' time. Farewell, everybody. Peace, guys.